You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in to Worshipology this week. I'm pumped because on the other end of the phone, we've got not just a worship leader, not just a songwriter, but a producer, and more than all of his gifts, I just love this guy's heart. Uh, y'all say what's up to Chris Clayton. <laughs> hey, man, how you doing? Dude, I'm doing so good, and and I, I made sure you're in Nashville today because it's kind of like, where in the world is Carmen San Diego with Chris Clayton? <laughs> you are all over the place, bro. Well, it's it's been a yeah, it's been a busy season. Uh, I actually fly out Sunday night to go back to Texas to write. So yeah, it's been it's just kind of been all over the place. But I'm grateful to be home for a minute. That's for sure. Man, I'm excited to dive into a bunch of different things. But first off, man, for those who are listening and may not be familiar with you or your story, just share a snapshot of kind of who you are and where you got to this place as you're in the Nashville area producing and writing. Man, yeah, just give us give us that overview, bro. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so born and raised Texan. Um, nice. I'm, a pa- I'm a pastor's kid, so we kind of moved around a little bit, but I, I claim Texas is home, always will be. Uh, married <laughs> married my college sweetheart of 22 years. Uh, her name's Kara, and uh, we, have fi- we have five kids. And, uh, it's fun. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun season right now. So all my, all my boy, I have four boys and a little girl, uh, my oldest son is 19. Uh, so we actually have an adult child now, which is weird to say out loud. Still, Curtis, (laughs) it's so weird to say out loud, but he is, uh, he's paving his own way. He's actually into music as well, but on the other end, he's on the road crew side of things. Um, he's actually, that's right. Cause, cause big daddy, Weave was just up here. That's right. right. Yeah. And so he's out, he's out with big daddy. We right now It's part of their crew and, um, love and life doing that. So, and, um, then I have another senior graduating in just a couple of weeks, like in May, it was just crazy to think. So I'll have Mm. two adult children, which is still like, help me, Curtis, this is pray for me, man. This is all, (laughs) this is crazy. Um, Hey, mine, mine are 10 and eight and I can't even imagine like getting to the teenage years. So you're, you're, you're killing it right now. But you know what? It's awesome. Like we, you know, it's got, it's got his, um, it's got us challenges as every teenager gives their challenges, but it's, it's the most fun, rewarding time to see them, you know, kind of just blossom and f- find their bent and how they're, you know, wh- where they want to do in life and what the Lord's calling them mm. to. And it's just really fun to do that. So, yeah. So he's graduating in May. I've got a, a 16 year old, uh, it's a sophomore and then I got a freshman who's 14 and then bring in baby girl. She's, she's four, Cambry's four. And uh, oh, we, ad- love it. we adopted her four years ago and she is wow. just the, uh, the, the queen bee of the house next to my wife and got me wrapped around my finger, but, uh, it's fun. It's a fun season. So we've been in Dallas, like, um, uh, for the most, for most of our marriage, uh, for the first 16, we got married, went to Dallas Baptist university up there and graduated in 2000. And then, uh, Karen and I got married and then we basically just started ministry. Like we started in, uh, really a couple of different, uh, different avenues and lanes. I started traveling mm-hmm. as a worship leader. Uh, I started leading worship in in college and really in high school. I started leading my youth group, and that's kind of where I got the bug. And my youth pastor was kind of really supportive of of helping shepherd me as a as a young worship leader, as a young worship pastor, even at that age, of what it meant to pastor people of my own wow. age. And um, trans- that went on to college, and then. Um, like I said, we started. I started traveling, leading worship all over the country, kind of doing camps and conferences. And uh, now, did you focus on worship ministry as part of your college degree? I, ironically, not. So, um, I, I, the 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 ultimate goal was to um, 
go to Dallas Baptist University for just a couple of years. Then I wanted to transfer to Belmont out here in Nashville and pursue music oh, nice. business. Yeah. Um, and then I met this girl who's now my wife. And so I decided <laughs> to stick around <laughs> in Dallas. It's it's always about a girl, man. I know, man. And it was well worth it for sure. So, um, but no, I, so I ended up staying there and I have a marketing undergrad, um, but if you, fast, mm. if you fast forward a few, uh, a good, gosh, 15 years, I actually went back and got my master's degree in worship leadership from, from DBU as well. Um, oh, so, so, cool. so shout out to them on that. Just a great program out there. But no, uh, so we, like I said, traveled for a while. All the while I had, I'd had this bug in me that I really kind of felt like the Lord was calling me to kind of a dual um, calling of of leading, leading the local church, whether that was going to be on in a staff role or on the itinerant side of things. Um, and also in the, the side of production and songwriting. And I just felt like wow. that was what the Lord was just kind of giving me uh, a passion about and, um, kind of tooling me for just in, in my, even in like, you know, I remember just, just, uh, you know, pretty distinctly in my 10th grade year of high school, like the Lord just kind of dropping this on me. And I, and I, I didn't really know what to do with it, you know, as a 10th grader, but I had great people around me in my community with my student pastor and, church that helped me kind of navigate that. And, um, I, I ended up connecting with a guy by the name of David Parker, who's a, who was a producer along for a long time in Dallas. Um, mm. and, uh, he became my mentor. He became a mentor for me, both in the, the worship leading side and on the production side, cause he did that. He traveled, led worship, wow. was serving in the local church, but he also had a studio in the Dallas area and, uh, produced, uh, mainly worship stuff and, and wrote that. And so, uh, it was a gift, man, just to have that. Um, uh, and I, I love, wow. I love that kind of Paul and Timothy relationship that we had. It was just like, he was kind of showing me the ropes. Well, hey, let me the, pause you there because you just mentioned that Paul and Timothy relationship. And I think it is so amazing that you found a mentor who did exactly what you felt like you were being called to. I love that a dual calling with production and songwriting and then worship leading. What did that practically look like as you guys were, you know, mentor and mentee kind of a protege relationship thing? What did that practically look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I really a couple of ways, because like I said, with the dual kind of uh, influence and mentorship, um, really two different angles. One, um, as someone who, you know, from, from a worship leading side of things, probably the greatest gift I ever had of as someone who was felt like he was being called to travel and lead worship for different events, um, is I got to travel with David for a good two or three years as in his band and get to watch him lead. Oh, nice. And, uh, I was just part of his band, play guitar. Sometimes I played percussion in his band, just kind of depending on the event. And I, I went with him for a, a good amount of events over the two or three years. And so I got, I kind of got a front row seat, if you will, to, um, like I said, not only the the ministry side of it, but also the log- logistical side of it. He taught me how to, you know, how to do booking, how to do, um, wow. you know, how, how to do relationships with with youth pastors and in and, and churches and things like that. And so just gleaned a lot. Um, and then I would say on the studio side, I mean, I was there at his studio every day. I was just kind of his right hand guy. I I did kind of the studio manager stuff. So I got not only just the the audio side of things. I got kind of the inner workings of budget building and how to relationships wow. with players and. Um, all the, all the, the admin boring task of what we do as creatives, but I, I'm so <laughs> thankful I got to see that and learn from him. And I, of course I've adapted that to, to me now over the years, but it was just a great foundation and man, he was just so open-handed and freely giving of all that. And, um, I've, wow. I've wanted to be that, carry that same kind of mentality with, with those that I come in contact who are young producers, young worship leaders. And that kind of, that's kind of what drives me to do what I do today. Wow. Now, let me ask you this, because obviously you just mentioned it, you, you kind of that pay it forward mentality. 
Uh, how do you, on the flip side of that, now you're the mentor, now you're the guy that's kind of taking on that coach role. What does that practically look like as, you know, say I'm a young producer or a young songwriter, or even a young worship leader. And I'm like, hey, uh, Chris, teach me the ropes. What does that look like? Yeah. Um, you know, from a worship side of of, of the coin, like uh, here at Gateway, where I'm on staff at uh, as worship pastor, like I, I've got a, we have a residency program, and it's it's really mm-hmm. small. We have one resident on on staff right now, and she's she's uh, she grew up in this church, and she just you know has got a heart for worship, and she's doing her she's doing her master's degree in worship. And so when when she told me she was doing her, her academic studies, if she will, if you will, I, I I really wanted I went to my pastors like let's give her some practical things too. Let's let, let's just not let, yeah. let it be just book knowledge. Book knowledge is great. I think you need to know doctrine and all that stuff. That's very, very important, obviously. But I want her, I wanted to give her a place where she could put some, uh, some tangible things to practice, you know? And, mm. um, so like she, she leads once a month for me here in our main services. And then she mm-hmm. heads up our student ministry to worship. Um, she's part of songwriting, um, uh, here as well. And so just, uh, we, we, you know, I, I love giving her feedback. Like the other day, I like even gave her feedback during rehearsal. I'm like, Hey, maybe we should try to do this. Uh, you know, used to think about this. I let her lead. I let her make decisions, but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm quick to just speak into things and we just have a great kind of ongoing relationship. She'll throw me songs that she's interested in or throw me her set list and I'll kind of critique that a little bit and say, hey, have you thought about this? Or affirm her saying, hey, this is a great set list. Um, mm. So that's on that's on the worship side. On, on the production side and songwriting, really it happens kind of twofold. One, uh, I've had, you know, I've had some interns over the years. Uh, one that is actually here in Nashville now who's doing a great, great job at production. So it's kind of a proud dad moment, if you will, spiritual father, seeing a guy who just really is blooming and taking off. And then I've had, um, you know, uh, some that are just kind of figuring it out still. And it's been fun to watch from afar or, you know, have them invite them into the room and kind of go over production related things and, and, and see that. And then songwriting a lot, you know, I write with a lot of young songwriters sometimes, and it's just been, it's yeah. fun for me to just sit down with them and kind of help kind of navigate very gently with white gloves, sometimes kind of their ideas and just kind of mm-hmm. help and show them, Hey, have you thought about this? Have you, you know, here's a, here's a, here's an idea we could, we could chase. And just to see their, their eyes light up when they, when they kind of see it unlocked for them is, is always rewarding. You know, what's interesting is I've had the chance to write with you a couple of times now, once with a veteran writer and once with a younger writer. And I will say that about you, you have a great way of just drawing out potential. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that's so important, I think, in a songwriting session, especially co-writing when you're writing with somebody else, is not to be so quick to smash ideas. Um, You know, we actually just did a songwriting clinic at our church destination up here in Richmond. And, um, you know, there's, I don't know, 20, 25 people there and we split into five rooms and there were some that had never written before most had never co-written before and i just said this this language piece and i think i actually kind of stole this from you where it's like you know hey i think there's something better you know it's not like you pitch out an idea and it's like i don't know if that's the greatest idea for this chorus but instead of saying oh that idea sucks you know it's just like i think there's something better and you know you're you're leading worship you're writing songs you're producing so oftentimes you're in a room with creatives and sometimes we have a little bit of a heightened sensitivity because these are ideas that we care about some of them you know maybe we hold on to a little bit too tightly how do you nurture and foster an environment um, where it is all about just getting the best idea out of the room because i know you know you're producing and you're flying all over the place you know there could be some churches that have done seven records and you're their eighth, or there could be some churches where this is their very first time doing a, a single or an EP. And so I know you've got that coach hat on all the time. How do you approach 
let's just go into this. Like, how do you pr- approach producing an album for a church? What's what's yeah. that? What's that take that you you come in with? Yeah, well, it's, I, I would say just something you said earlier, real quick, and I'll get into that. Like, uh, I, I, I often joke that every producer should should take a class in psychology because you're dealing with people <laughs> so much. So true. You know, so just different true. different temperaments, and especially with creatives, man. You know, when you get into creative world you're dealing with people who are insecure and i'm and i'm one of those you're one of those mm-hmm, everybody's insecure mm-hmm. to some degree who's a creative um and so learning how to really really uh be, be more of a teacher and less of a dictator in the room is is wow is really the key to um uh, working with creatives and and uh like chrissy nordoff our friend chrissy I've, she's probably told you you know yeah. she she's a great one of her great points in her book that she's written on worship writing is you know don't use the, the word no should never be said, you know, and it's really just like, maybe, mm. maybe that's not it. Like it, no can be such a shutting down word in the writing room and in the production yeah. realm. Um, sometimes the, sometimes the word is no, but it's getting to that. No, that maybe has to, um, take a journey with, with the, with the other writer or the other, or the artist mm. or whatever, uh, the church that's so involved. Good. And so, um, again, you're, you're, especially in our world, we're, we're pastoring these people, you know, production is as much as a pastoring role to me as, as, uh, getting up on a platform on a Sunday morning and leading and leading wow. songs. Um, so as far as like the approach, um, man, you know, I feel like, you know, this is my week as a producer and songwriter is never different. The approach is always unique. And that's kind of the fun part that keeps me wanting to keep doing it, honestly. Um, mm. Cause you're right. There's some, there's some churches that I've worked with that have done records in the past. They have a songwriting culture established and I'm just kind of folding into it. And they brought me on to say, Hey, how can you take what we've started and make it better? Or how, how can you help make it um, stronger? Or how can yeah. you help us mature? And that's just, and that's not necessarily mean better. Cause sometimes it's great when I walk in, but how can we mature in this process? Um, and like you said, there's some, where I'm, they're like, hey, you know, we've got five songs and we want to do a record. And I'm like, well, we need to go write 15 more. <laughs> you know, like you know? <laughs> exactly. And so yeah. it's just like helping them understand there is a process. And so, you know, for me, it's it's really sitting down first and foremost. I love, you know, I'll, I'll back up and say, um, my favorite records are to produce are church records because I feel like. Mm. Um, uh, ultimately they are, uh, they have a ready-made audience for the songs that we're producing and that's the people of the church. And they're, you know, mm-hmm. I always tell churches, you know, this is not a, this is not an artist thing. You're creating a resource for your church. It's an invaluable resource that you're investing your, your time and your energy and your finances into so your people. Good. Just like you would do Sunday school curriculum or small group curriculum. This is a, this is part of a resource to help disciple your people. And, wow. um, and so I, I, I love sitting down with them and catching the vision, just really getting to know them, like just personality wise before we ever write a song or before we ever talk about hitting the red button, it's like, hey, let's just make sure we're a fit and just, you know, from a like-minded of your goals, what I can bring to the table. Um, mm. that, that's, that's, that's an important step for me. Uh, I just did that with a church out in Mississippi. Like we, I went to go right, but man, we spent more time just hanging out and kind of just getting a vibe for each other and building that relationship so that I can build trust with those people. So that when I do have the hard conversations about yeah. songs or production direction or vision, uh, that they're not seeing me just as the guy who's, who's walking in just to change their you know whole perspective, but someone that they can partner with. It's more of a partnership for me. And so, wow. um, yeah. And then, you know, for there, just to give you you the quick it's there it's just i mean it's it's going through songs songs are so are such the important um driver if not the important driver of the whole record yeah. you know it's like if we got we got to get the songs right and uh, cuz you know again we're putting these songs 
in the hands of our people that were uh, that were just, that were discipling and pastoring every week. And I always always joke with my pastor here at Gateway. I was like, you know, they're gonna they're not gonna really remember your song your your pastor. Uh, they're not only gonna remember your sermon, Charlie, but they're gonna remember a four minute <laughs> song. And so I, I call it. Port- I, I, I heard this phrase years ago called portable th- doxology and um, or portable mm. thought portable theology, and that's it's really the doxology that we that we carry out is 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 language that they're gonna carry out with them in their cars and their ears buds and we want to make sure we're putting great songs and great truth into their into their yeah. ears into their, into their heart every, every week so um yeah t- the bottom line the, the the most important part of that whole process is just relationship in, in building that with them and trust uh, so that i can so I, so I can do what i'm called to do and then they walk away with an incredible project and great songs that are going to minister to their people that's so good, man. So let's say you, you're sitting down with a room. You got four or five worship leaders from a church there. They're presenting, you know, you've probably listened to 20 to 25 songs. The record maybe has nine to 10. What is that whittling process like? You know, you said you've got to find the right songs. How do you find the right song? Is it is it melody? Is it lyric? Is it singability? I mean, what, what do you take into those factors as the producer of the album? Yeah. So I, it's, it's funny. You just asked this. I just sat down yesterday um, uh, it's my so with with the church that I'm doing a record with in the fall and um, kind of started going through their songs. We like I said we I went out to Mississippi. We wrote for a little bit, but they had turned in a good amount of songs that before that writing camp and they sent them all to me in a Dropbox folder and I and I and I just I talked with uh, their worship pastor and kind of their executive worship pastor who's had a head in this up and mm. said hey let's sit down and individually and go through the Dropbox folder. Um, which usually contains uh, a work tape or a demo and the lyric sheet. I love having the lyrics in front of me when I look at songs, um, yep. so I can just kind of read along with it and and under, make sure I understand where, what they're saying. I said, let's individually go through that and let's let's meet together, which we're going to be doing in a couple weeks, and uh, let's just talk about kind of our gut reactions. And no one's wrong or right, but let's just see what let's just kind of see what consensus we come to on this. And so, mm. like I, yesterday, I I literally sat down for a couple hours and I just listened to every song. Uh, sometimes a couple times through um, reading lyrics, and so for me, I, I'm checking really three things. I'm checking, um, I'm checking lyric. I'm checking that for just does, is it is, does it flow well? Um, is there good cadence? Mm. Is there good meter? Um, does it feel natural? Does it not feel clunky? Does it feel good to sing? Are there any kind of words or phrases that maybe we could push into and dig a little bit deeper that may have been maybe have been oversaid, you know, before and worship says worship song, but how how else could we say that? Uh, and sometimes wow. that's, that may not always be the case. Sometimes holy, holy, holy is the only way to say holy, 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 right. you know, <laughs> and um and so then I look at it from a theology side of it too, going, hey, is this accurate? Is this is this true? And I always encourage churches, hey, take this to your pastor or to a pastor that you trust and run it by yeah. them because as creatives, we can get very poetic and I love that, but sometimes that can help, that can kind of um, twist twist the doctrine on it a little bit and not knowing what mm. we're doing that. And so it's good to have an outside trusted, you know, pastor to, to read those lyrics, hear those songs. And of course, melody wise, you know, I'm going, hey, does this, does this lift in the right places? Does this settle in the right places? Does this move me emotionally? Because and, and and I I'll st- I'll stop right there for a minute because you know sometimes emotion and worship can be seen as a bad thing. But right, I right. see and and I see the point of it. But man, I really feel like if God created music, He created emotion too. And I feel Absolutely. like music music is in was created to evoke emotion in us as worshipers. It's it's when it's when we have an unhealthy balance of emotion and the music that we can get ourselves in trouble. But when I when wow. I when I think 
about the holiness of God and that the fact that the angels are surrounding the throne, even in this moment, singing, holy, 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 that should evoke some grand, some grand emotion to me going, I get to be a part of that song and joining in the angels right now. And so wow. I just, I feel like that's part of it. And so, yeah, those are really the three things I look for. And then it's a matter of just sitting down with them and going, Hey, I know these are your babies, but here's some honest feedback because they're really paying me to, to be honest with them. You know, they brought yeah, me on to the yeah. team to be honest and I, and, and I, and they'll tell me, please be honest. And I go, well, I hope you understand what you're asking. Cause I, sometimes I'm going to, I'm going to be brutally honest going, Hey, this song just doesn't need to be a part of this project. It's not really worth tweaking. And there's some songs that I go, Hey, let's go back and let's maybe look at that chorus again. Let's look at the the, the melody of it or the lyric. And mm. uh, then some are like, Hey, this is, this is really good. Let's just put it in the yes pile. Let's move on. Like that's not, let's not even mess with it. It's ready to roll. Yeah. So, and that's just a normal part of the process of, of record making, uh, whether you're on a label, whether you're independent or whatever the case may be, um, that's, that's a, that's a, a huge important step in the process. Well, I know so many churches are, are, you know, writing their own songs right now, producing their own records right now. So here's just that elevator pitch. Look, if you're looking for a producer, I can hundred percent vouch that Chris is the real deal. I've been in his studio. You, Not only is it the coolest vibe, but it smells really good. So, oh, dude, thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember walking in writing one time and I was like, man, this smells like Starbucks mixed with like grandma's cookies. It oh, was so good. Come on. <laughs> but, uh, but listen, man, like, I, I just think you have such a heart for the church and it really shows not just in the, the way that you produce, but how you really pastor through producing. That's so cool, man. Thank you. Man. Um, let's, that. let's shift gears a little bit. Cause you mentioned this early on in your story. You do have a big family. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I'm often talking with pastors and worship leaders about is just the myth of balance, if if I can call it that, because you know it is such a journey that we walk in with ministry and work and family, and um, you know every yes is a no to something else. But I think you do it so well, and obviously, like with with your kids, you know, kind of getting to that age where you're starting to see some of them leave the house and still have a passion for ministry and God. Um, I think you're doing something right, you know, so I, I would love to just glean from that wisdom just for a moment on talking about ministry and family and how you, uh, how you work all that, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's something that Kara and I, you know, we constantly are com- having conversations about, um, is how, you know, is there, is there such thing as a balance, you know, because I, I feel mm. like I've, sh- I've, I've sh- like really tried hard to do a balance and I mean, there's times I'll be honest as whether it's on the production side or on the the local church ministry side, I, I, I find myself beating myself up. Like I haven't done that well enough. Um, mm. But at the same time, like you said, the fruit is in, you know, what I see in my kids, you know, that, that they're, that they're wanting to, they're wanting to pursue different things in ministry or, you know, it may not look like a local church thing and that's fine, but, but their heart and their head is in the right place in terms of their, their devotion to the church. Um, and so I think one mm. thing that we've really kind of settled on, uh, even, even especially in the last year or so, is just, man, it, for us, it's been including our kids in the ministry and in, 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 in serving, like making sure that they have a place here at Gateway specifically where they can actually, you know, jump in and feel like they're valued, um, in yeah. serving. And so like for my, for like my oldest son, Corbin, like, you know, he's been our lighting director on a volunteer side for a mm. few years now, which has really been awesome because a, he's serving in the local church, but B he's helped, it's helped him find his passion that he's pursuing now on the road and, and wanting to do long term. Wow. 
Um, so, you know, for him, it's that for my, you know, for my, for my other sons, they love serving in kids ministry, whether it's in the, in the production side over there or teaching a class or being, yeah. uh, you know, one of them does a camera on Sunday mornings, which I feel like camera position in production is the, it can be the easiest position for students to, to like serve in because it's, it's, while it's a kind of an important position, it's, it's a very low pressure position because all, mm-hmm. it's a very easily trainable position from a, just a nuts and bolts side of ministry. And so like, I have three or four different students from our student ministry on our camera ops crew here at Gateway, and it's it's been fun to watch them kind of embrace that and get to and get and get into that on it. So, for us again, I think I think finding them a place where they can serve consistently and see that they are valued. Like if they miss, that they're going to be missed on a serve team side of things, because that's ultimately what's going to keep them in the church well past wow. their teenage years. Um, you know, that's we've, so we've, good. we've we've heard the stat that you know that those that leave once they graduate high school, the stat of the the percentage plummets a little bit of, of kids who stay in church. And I really think part mm. of that is they haven't found their value with inside the four walls of the local church. And, wow. that, and so seeing if they can find value in serving and as, as a, as a contributing quote unquote member, you know, of the church, yeah, then yeah. man, they're going to stay, they're going to stay because they, they feel value. They want to be there. And so we're navigating mm. that right now as, as someone who has, you know, a, a you know, almost two college age kids of how they're going to navigate their next steps as far as church, whether they stay here at gateway, whether they go find their own thing, like we're supportive of that. We want them to find a place that they feel valued serving and being a part of the local body. That's so good, man. Yeah, just just the other day we had one of our leadership nights here at Destination Church and I'm sitting at the table with the production team and like eight out of 10 are teenagers. And I loved it, man, because I do think that there's such a huge value in, in just getting involvement. And, uh, you know, my daughter on, on our way to school today, she was like, dad, I don't really like being at home, but I just want to be at church all the time. And I was uh, like, well, let's talk, let's talk about the home thing. Cause you know, like we, we, we have a pretty good home. Like, but, uh, she just loves church. She loves to be at church and she's serving, she's 10 years old and she's ser- serving with our kids team. And, yeah. um, she's actually going to come with me tonight to our, our leadership night. But oh, so good. I think, I think you do that so well, man. And when you can model that and when you can invite into that, I heard John Mark Comer once say that as a pastor, my, 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 Two main jobs are example and invitation mm, mm-hmm. to, to live a life of example and to always be inviting people into that. And yeah. you do that so well, man. Well, listen, we got just a few moments left in this yeah. podcast. I, I feel like it's like drinking from a fire hose, man. Like <laughs> there are so many nuggets in this thing. And I know it's going to be such an encouragement to people because we do have, you know, worship leaders and worship teams, musicians, artists, and people from all walks of life listening to this. And I think yeah. Um, the songwriting, the producing, all of that has been so helpful. But I mean, first and foremost, I know you as a worship leader, man. Mm. And so I would love to just hear like, man, what's what's one of those lessons that you've learned along the way, maybe the easy way, maybe the hard way um, that you're taking forward with you and that you're passing it on when it comes to leading worship? Yeah. Um, well, I think this, you know, whether it's worship leading, this is in or or the songwriting and production, really just yeah, in, yeah. in, in life period. Uh, I think the the biggest lesson that I've I'm learning because I won't say I've learned it yet um, is that just the the idea of contentment in the in ministry. Mm. Um, and, wow, you know, as creatives again, this goes back to the insecurity thing that we talked about a little bit, you know, in. Uh, this is not nothing new under the sun for creatives, but just the comparison thing has been so so such a prevalent mm. thing um, that that I've I honestly I've struggled with it. Like I've I, you know, but it's just a thing that's always in the that's kind of looming in my mind a little bit. 
And mm. it, it, it honestly, that kind of two couple of years ago, I just kind of had this kind of come to Jesus moment with it. Um, cause like I said, it's never been like, like debilitating or controlling, but it's always been there. And I think as creatives, right, it's, it's right. always there, you know, yeah. um, you yeah. know, especially with the, with the, with social media and the, 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 the glimpse into everybody's lives, it's easy to, to do that. Um, you know, when you see everybody's highlight reel, you don't understand every, there's, there's also a, a, a a, a behind the scenes reel that no one else sees, you know? So, so good. So but, good. But what I'm getting at is I, a couple of years ago, I kind of went through this thought process of, you know, I'm getting to do um, what I've wanted to do from a worship leading side, production songwriting since I was in 10th grade. And I used to dream wow. about this town called Franklin, Tennessee, where all this magic was happening with music making uh, and, <laughs> yep. and Christian music. And I just thought, you know, back then I was like, man, what it would be like to actually work there one day and, and be a part of that community. And then, Fast forward, you know, decades later, and here I am sitting in my studio right now in Franklin, Tennessee, um, talking to you at a studio that I get to make music at every day at a church that I get to lead worship in every every mm. weekend. And so, you know, the the comparison of going, I just want the bigger and better song. I want the bigger and better record. I, I'd love to. What, what would it be like to lead at a bigger and better church? You know, those are all bigger and better is, is just a false thing. You know, it's like it's wow. for me. It's like. Man, how I, I kind of resolved. No, I'm I'm just gonna put my head down, do do the best work I know to do, whether on the local ministry side, write the best songs I know how to today, produce the mm. best the records I know how to produce today. And if God breathes on that anywhere else and takes me anywhere else, then that's gravy because I'm getting to do I'm getting to do what I've wanted to do since I was in tenth grade and what God had called me to do and the passion He's putting me, with the tools and gifts He's given me. So why am I insecure? Why am I complaining? Why am I Why am I trying to wow. be to wow. level up? Now, I, now I will say this: like I always think there's goals that you, people can have to to do better things, you know, to to be better yeah. at what you want to do. There's nothing wrong with striving to be better at something you want to do at into growing your craft. But I mean, Paul writes in Colossians three that we had to work hardly unto the Lord and not unto man. And one day I looked that up, and the word "hardly" really translates to this idea of uh, of a, a de- great degree of someone that does it with enthusiasm, someone who does it with passion. And wow. that's kind of what I want to be known as. That no matter what God chooses to put in my path, whether it's a songwriting session, a record, or a worship leading opportunity. I, I want to work heartily unto the Lord um, and make it the best I can be, um, whether it, it ministers to a hundred people or a hundred thousand people. And that's a, it's a daily struggle because that's a hard thing, especially living in a town like Nashville and being on Instagram and Facebook when you see people mm. that you admire doing, doing things you wish you could do. But sometimes you got to remember there's people behind you going, man, I'm, I, if I could aspire to be like Curtis one day, you know, or I could aspire to be like Chris one day. And that's back, back yeah. to that Paul Timothy yeah. relationship. I want to find those guys that I can help those guys and gals that I could help do that one day because it was a huge moment in my life when someone stepped into that and, and helped me understand that. Well, you're the third or fourth person this week I've heard talk about comparison wow. and contentment. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say that's a word from the Holy Spirit. I think man. so, bro. <laughs> Dude, I, and, and it's so true because I think everybody, it doesn't matter what level you get to. I mean, you know, I was watching this documentary about Michael Jordan. It's like, if you think about like the pinnacle of sports success, and yet he was never content. He was never fully satisfied. There was always that drive. And I think yeah. we can have a holy ambition, right? We mm-hmm. can have a drive to advance the kingdom and want to do everything that God has for us, but there can also be an unhealthy, always comparing, always wanting more for the sake of, you know, just wanting more and not wanting more of God. 
And, and I think that's the thing is like, do you want things over God? Do you want success over faithfulness? And man, I just think that is such a word from the Holy Spirit, because I'll be honest, I just got back from a conference in Houston, and that was like a common theme mm. of every speaker was this comparison thing. And I think as social media gets more and more complicated, it's not going away. And so we have to be intentional about choosing contentment over comparison, man. That's such a good word, Chris. Dude, any closing thoughts, man? Yeah, I would just say plant plant deep roots and love mm. on the people that's in front of you. The Lord may call you somewhere else a year to f- or five years from now, um, you know, but where you're at, give it your all. Again, the whole idea of working to the Lord, uh, love on the people and ministry, especially in worship, you know, it's, it's, it's cliche, but I'm learning it all the time. It's more than just the songs that we lead on a Sunday morning. It's, it's the lives wow. that are transformed by, by the, by the conversations and by the community and by the service that we have to people. So just, man, just love on the things and the people and the families that are in front of you and do it as best you can until the Lord calls you differently. Man, Chris, I appreciate your heart. appreciate your voice. Thanks so much for spending time with us on Worshipology. We're going to put uh, contact info and some stuff that you can connect with Chris on if you're interested in production or worship or songwriting. You need to get in touch with this dude. He's the real deal. Chris, love you, man. Love you too, Curtis. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.